With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today we are hitting the virtual road and heading to Missouri to have a delightful set with Irene Hannon. Irene holds a BA in psychology and an MA in journalism, and she's an acclaimed author with over 60 romantic suspense and contemporary romance novels under her belt. Her latest book, Into the Fire, is out now. So my dear Irene, welcome to the RV. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to join you. (laughs) Thank you too. This was a very long trip, but I am so, so happy to have you here now in the RV. Yes, I'm happy to be here. And I I understand that for you, it was a very long trip, <laughs> but I'm, but welcome to the heartland of the United States. We are having wonderful weather right now. We're leading into fall, so we're getting the beautiful leaves turning on the trees, and it's a wonderful place to be. I know, and it's a wonderful time to visit because it's not cold, it's not hot. Yes, it's the weather this time of year is perfect. I would encourage anyone who is interested in coming to this area, September and October are just beautiful. And what do you like the most about living there? I like it in for many reasons. I like the, the more traditional values that you find in the heartland of the United States that fits with my worldview. So that's very comfortable. And we're also right in the center of the United States. And I like to travel. So it's, in, it's a good point to depart from. Literally everything is just around me in the United States, which is great. As I said, I like to travel very much. And I grew up here. This is where I was born and mostly grew up other than a very brief time in Atlanta when I was a very young child. And so it's home to me and I have family and friends here. And it's also a wonderful place to set my suspense novels. So I love it in Missouri. Mm-hmm. I'm sure our listeners will be checking your place. <laughs> it's it's definitely worth visiting if you're ever in the area, especially this time of year. And Irene, you were talking about traveling. You had a recently trip to Europe. I believe it was in May. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I had a wonderful trip to Europe. I had been, I've been to Europe on, on a number of occasions and I, I love visiting Europe. 
I've not gone to a country that I didn't like. They're all wonderful and they're all unique and have their own reasons to want to come visit. But this trip was special because a number of years ago, my husband and I were trying to think of something very special that we could do for our my brother's daughters. They're very close in age when they graduated from high school. And we came up with the idea of a trip to Europe, sort of a grand tour. They had never been to Europe and we told them about it. They were thrilled. This was about four years ago, roughly. We planned the whole trip. The whole trip was all ready to go. We were literally uh, weeks away, three or four weeks away from leaving and COVID hit. So of course, all of the plans were scrapped. Uh, We had to unwind the whole trip, which was a challenge in itself because nobody knew what was going on in that period of time. But we unwound the trip and we said to them, we will still make this trip. We promise you, we will still make this trip. And every summer after that, we looked and the first year was definitely not ago because Europe was still, everybody was still nervous about COVID. And the second year, I I don't know, I'm not sure we're ready to do it yet. But this year, I said, it has to be this year because not only did they graduate from high school, they're getting ready to graduate from college now. So it was now or never, because once they had a job, we probably weren't going to make this happen. So we, I replanned the whole trip, did it, started it all over again, got everything in place. And so we went and we took them to England. We took them to London and also into the Cotswolds for a few days and then Paris and Rome and showed them Paris and yeah, Paris and Rome and showed them all of the main sites. And it was so much fun for us because we had seen those before, but watching it through their eyes was incredibly, it was an incredible experience. So it, the trip, it finally happened after a very long wait. But as my, after we got back, my, one of my nieces, she did a collage of photos that she took on the trip and she sent it to me and she wrote at the bottom, good things take time. And it was just, and it was, it was just wonderful. So we had a fabulous time. Yeah. I can imagine. And I think they will never forget this trip. I hope not. It was kind of funny though. We had warned them ahead of time in Europe, you do a lot of walking. That's not as true in American cities because we're so spread out in the United States that people don't do as much walking. So we had warned them. We will do a lot of walking, be prepared. But I don't think they had any idea how much walking we would actually do. <laughs> it was it was so funny to say, are we walking again? Yes, we're walking again. <laughs> but we had, a, in fact, my one, my one niece, she didn't bring the best shoes for all of the walking in European cities with the cobblestones and streets in the older areas. We actually had to go to a sports uh, supply store, buy her a pair of good shoes to wear. So I think we wore them out, to be honest, but we had a wonderful time. <laughs> I can imagine. And I love that she wrote these good things take time. It's like a reminder that some of the most worthwhile experience that require patience and perseverance are 
the best. I don't know. It's the feeling that I have. Yes, I, I agree with you. And I think that captured it perfectly when she wrote that in. So I think they had a wonderful time and it was worth waiting for. But we, we that was so that was a great trip this summer. And it was our first time back to Europe since COVID. And it was fun to go back because I have missed traveling. We all of us had to cut our travel back so much during COVID to and this was just a treat to be able to go back. We were surprised a little bit by the crowds. I think everyone this year had the same idea. We're ready to go. So we sort of had to fight our way to the front of the Trevi Fountain. And it, it was crowded, but we still had a wonderful time. <laughs> Everybody was just ready to be back to normal travel. Yeah, it's beautiful. Actually, we'll be going to Rome this month. <laughs> oh, you're going to Rome this month? Oh, we, you know, Rome of the three cities we went to, that was their favorite city. They loved that the best. I love Rome. Yes. And um, Irene, you mentioned having Irish heritage. Your grandparents are from Ireland and your father is from County Cork. Yes, yes. I have a very strong Irish heritage. My maternal grandparents were both born there. And then my father was born in County Cork. He didn't emigrate to the United States until he was 26. So he spent all of his young life in Ireland. And he grew up in a little cottage, very close to the sea. It didn't have running water. It didn't have electricity. They literally had to go down the road to get water for their cottage. And it was a very, and I always said to him, that must have been a hard life. And he said, you know, we had everything that mattered. We had family and our friends and enough to eat and a happy life. And he never thought of that as a hardship. And it's hard for people like me who grew up with all of those things to imagine that. But he he loved, he loved Ireland, never lost his love for Ireland, even though he lived here the rest of his life. But I was able to go back with him on a couple of occasions and he showed me the cottage where he was born. And it was, it was a wonderful experience. I really would like to visit Ireland. I've never been there. Oh, you should go. The people are so lovely and hospitable and the country's beautiful. It's definitely, you should go. <laughs> yeah, and you know, many cities in the world celebrate St. Patrick's Day parades. And, and I know in the United States, because so many Irish immigrants came to the United States through the years. And so St. Patrick's Day is huge in, in the United States, including here where I live in Missouri. Um, I wasn't aware that it was as celebrated as much in other parts of the world. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. It is here. In, oh, it's all over the place. Uh, that's very so interesting. Actually, is there any tradition you would like to share with us? You know, the biggest thing is St. Patrick's Day. That was always a huge holiday in our house. We always celebrated St. Patrick's Day. And the funny thing is, in, in the United States, the traditional dish is corned beef and cabbage. That's what we eat in the United States to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. But like my father always said, and I have learned through the years, that wasn't what they ate on St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. He didn't ever have corned beef until it came to the United States. They would celebrate. But in Ireland also, it was more of a holy day than a holiday. So it was a much quieter celebration when he was growing up. And they would have 
maybe ham or something like that, but they didn't, they didn't have the corned beef. So, but we sell it. We always had a, a big celebration on St. Patrick's day. And then the biggest thing I think that we, the, the biggest um, customer, whatever is just the Irish hospitality. I, that I grew up with that. My mother, of course, with her background knew about that. My dad, of course did. And so we just grew up with this spirit of hospitality and the importance of family. And that was, that was a legacy that I will never forget. It's clear that your Irish roots have left a mark on your life and I believe work as well. Yes. I'm, I'm sure there is an impact as well. I think the whole my whole concept of the importance of family, which comes through in almost all of my books, that's what I grew up with. And I think that had, not that it's not true in many cultures, but it's very true in the Irish culture that family is the center of your life. And so I grew up realizing that I grew up in a wonderful family. And so I often use that in my books to show how important it is to have a strong, solid family life as you grow up. You mentioned that you've been writing for as long as you can remember. Yes. Yes. I, I, I truly believe that writers are born, not made. I think writing is, is it's a gift. It, it's a talent and some people are born with it. And other talents, my, for example, my husband is a wonderful artist. Now I could take art lessons until I was a hundred years old and every person I draw would still look like a stick figure. <laughs> I just, I don't have artistic talent. It's a uh-huh. gift. And I think writing is very similar to that. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get better and hone your craft and refine it and continue to learn that absolutely you can. But I think that gift, particularly of storytelling, and I think part of that might go back to my Irish heritage too, the whole literary tradition of Ireland. I I have this love of storytelling and I seem to have been given this gift with words. And so I have written, honestly, as long as I can remember, I, as soon as I could pick up a pen, I was writing something. And I, I continued to do that my whole life. Um, even when I was in college, I was on the, I was on the newspaper, I was on the newspaper uh, in, in my college. I didn't, I majored in psychology, but I was still writing. And then I went on and got a degree in journalism. And even in my corporate job, it involved writing every day. I was in communication. So even then I was writing every day in addition to my fiction work. So words, words have been part of my life and are important in my life and always will be, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's why you chose to get a degree in journalism. Yes, yes. Yes. I was at a crossroads actually in college because when I, as I was moving along in psychology, which I loved, I loved studying psychology and the way the human mind works. I realized I, to, to work in that field, I would need to get a master's degree. And it, it occurred to me that, well, if I have to get a master's degree, I could switch I could just switch gears and I could get a master's degree in journalism instead. And I was on the fence for the longest time, but finally the writing won out and I got the degree in the master's degree in journalism. But interestingly enough, the psychology degree was a great background for fiction writing 
because it's all for me, it's all about the people on the page and understanding what makes them tick and getting inside their head to figure that out. So the degrees ended up working great together. And then after I got my corporate job going, then I branched into the writing novels and had both careers going for a long time. And what led you to make this life-changing decision? And do you have any regrets? It was a very hard decision because I had a wonderful job. I had a fantastic job in the corporate world. I always tell people it was the kind of job, it was so great of a job that it was the kind of job one of the villains in one of my suspense books would kill for. <laughs> it was a wonderful job. So what happened was I was writing my fiction on as well in my spare time. And both of the careers kept mushrooming and I kept rising higher in the corporate ranks and my books were growing. And I got to the point in the corporate world where it became a 24-7 job. I was on call all the time. I had no time and energy for writing at all. And I realized I either have to give up my writing until I retire many years down the road, or I have to walk away from this great job and focus on my writing. And it was a very, very hard decision to make. But in the end, the writing won out. I left the corporate world. I And that's when my writing career just skyrocketed because I had, could devote all of my attention to it. I branched into suspense at that time as well. And I can say without any, any with, with all honesty that I have never had one regret because I never, I never missed the corporate politics. I never missed the 24-7 being on call. I never missed the rush hour commute. And the writing took off. So it, no, I never had any regret, but it was a huge life-changing decision. It was. Yes. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You had chorus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also had a husband who had a job. So I knew that I wouldn't be out on the street and looking for food if I didn't make it in the writing world. But it was what it, I just felt like that's what I was called to do. And like I said, I have no regrets. That's so good to hear. And you became very successful. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It has worked out very well. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations on your new book, Into the Fire. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it is. I'm always excited to launch a new series. And this is book one. 
in a new series. The series is called Undaunted Courage, and it features three siblings who come from, um, they're, they're foster siblings. They come from not great backgrounds, and they're all adopted by the same couple years ago. And so they have grown up to be very close. And so they're three foster siblings, and they have jobs that put them in the line of danger. So that's what the whole series is about. Each book, there's three books, each book features a different sibling. And all of the books can be read as standalones because I don't carry plot threads over from book to book. As a reader, I don't like that. So I don't do that to readers. Every book can be read. It, it start, the story starts and ends in that book. So this is the first one and it's called Into the Fire, as you said, and it features um, Bree Tucker, who is an arson fire investigator for the police department. And she is a former smoke jumper. So she has a very, very interesting background. And she is in, she's been tasked with investigating the death of a former colleague who had retired. He was also an arson investigator who died in a fire, which was a little bit strange. And as she's investigating this, she also discovers he's left some information actually for her that suggests that some cases that were ruled accidental during his tenure, he doesn't necessarily believe or accidental. And he was going to solicit her help to look into these because he's he, he had been retired. So that's what she inherits. And she's pretty new at her job. So they because it was a former colleague in a high profile case, her boss brings in an ATF special agent to assist with the case. And she's not super happy about that because she is kind of new on the job and she has some some self-esteem issues because of her past. And she's like, why are you sicking this F this ATF agent on me? I don't want him. I can do this myself. And, and that's of course our hero, um, Mark Davis. And he, uh, he isn't too happy to be on the case either because he has come from the Chicago office. The story is set in St. Louis because he relocated. His grandmother has some health issues and he wanted to be closer to her. So he had just, he had to take whatever position was available. And he was on the national response team and had a high level position in Chicago. And now, now they're asking him to help with an investigation of a house fire. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a come down. So they initially put together, neither is too happy. But as the case progresses and they begin to realize that there is something wrong with this list that she inherited and this death of this fire investigator is highly suspicious. So as they move it, as they move the case along, it becomes clear that somebody doesn't want them to investigate this. And so sparks begin to fly not only on the case, but between them. And that's where the romance develops. So that's a that's a quick overview of the first book in the series. Wow, that's super interesting because it has romance, of course. <laughs> of course. I can't write a book without romance. <laughs> read a book without romance. <laughs> I love happy endings. What can I say? <laughs> but you had to research a lot because this subject is very complex. Yeah, arson. How did you research for this book? Well, every suspense book I write, I, I get into areas that are completely foreign to me and require a lot of research. So through the years, I have developed a huge um, a huge cadre of sources in 
all of the different fields that I typically need. So FBI agents, police officers, forensic pathologists, U.S. Marshals, the whole thing. I've, I've developed it through the years. So with, with a, when I start a book like this, and I had never done anything with our center fire investigation before, and it's one of the reasons I decided to do that in this book, it was new for me. So I, of course, did all of my online research. I do lots of research online. When I finished my average suspense book, I have about 100 pages of single-spaced typed research notes and citations. Huge, huge amount of information. Very little actually goes in the book. Most of it is so I can become familiar with the subject and speak about it credibly. So I have all of that. And then in this case, for my specific scenes where there were fire-related incidents, that were unique to my book. I, I needed someone, which is what I always do, who was knowledgeable in that area to look at my scenes and to give and critique them and to add the final polish of authenticity. So in this case, I worked with a retired fire marshal, fire chief, who was, was a great help in looking at the fire scenes and saying, did I, did I, set this up right? Is the investigation being done correctly? And uh, so he was very helpful because the thing with my, all of my uh, fiction books is everything I write about my people and my stories, that's fiction, but the organizations and the law enforcement protocols and all of that, that's real. So I want to make sure when I portray those that I'm doing it realistically. And that's when my sources come in and really help me add that that final polish to my books. And then, as I mentioned, my heroine has a smoke jumper background. And that's a fascinating subject. I had no idea when I started researching that. What an amazing group of mostly men, but there are a few women smoke jumpers. And these are the people that they parachute into the wilderness when there are wildfires with only the equipment on their back to fight the fires. And it, what, an, what incredible courage and bravery. And so I knew when I read all about the smoke jumpers, I have to make my hero in a farmer smoke jumper. And so that's, that was that piece of the research to me was the most fascinating. I've never researched about smoke jumpers, but I didn't know that there were many women. There are not many, but there are, there are yeah. a few. Yeah, there are a few because when they parachute in they're they're carrying something like 80 pounds of equipment on their back. And it's, it's, you have to be super physically fit to do this job. And also to just imagine taking the risk of you're diving into these fires and there's no help available. You're on your own with whatever you've brought with you and what amazing service they perform trying to stop these fires. They are heroes. They are. They absolutely are. Good. It sounds like very exciting. This book. <laughs> it is a very exciting book. It's a, it's a fascinating mystery. I think people will be surprised by who the villains are in this book. And there's uh, the, the climax of this book is particularly exciting and heart pounding. And I think readers who get further along in the book will have a hard time putting it down. At least I hope so. Mm -hmm. And what do you hope your readers take away from this book? Well, let me speak first just to all of my books, because with all of my books, I have the same basic goal. And that's 
pretty much to entertain. I always want to entertain my readers and give them a respite from everyday life because people need a break sometimes from dealing with whatever's going on in their world. So to entertain, to enrich, to uplift. And I always want to leave people with every book with a smile on their face and hope in their heart. I mean, that's just what I aim to do with every book. And in this book, both of my main characters have had they have had difficult backgrounds. And so my heroine is has struggled to trust people. And she has some physical um, problems that she's had to overcome. And because of her background, which I can't give too much away, but she does have self-esteem issues. So she's got to deal with all of that in the course of this book. What I loved portraying and I do this in many books, but especially in this book, was the family connections. She, the, the three foster siblings, I, I loved creating this strong family unit that they're not related by blood, but the bond is unbreakable and they support each other and they're there for each other. I loved showing that. And likewise with my hero, his connection with his grandmother, there's a story behind that as well that I don't want to give too much away, but He's such a wonderful, loving grandson. And I like portraying strong family connections and the importance of having that in your life. And so I, I hope readers will take that away, a sense of that away when they finish this book as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we can see a happy ending. <laughs> Abs there, I, like I said, I can't write a book without a happy ending. So they can count on that at the end. I love it. And I can see that your dedication, dedication and discipline, because writing, being a full-time writer and writing quality books and this amount of books that you've been writing is truly admirable, Irene. Yes. Well, thank, thank you. It. You do, if you're a full-time writer, you do have to be, you do have to be dedicated and you have to be disciplined because in my case, I have contracts for my books. They are due on a certain date. So I can't just say, well, I'm just not in the mood to write this week. I'll just go and do whatever I want. I, I have to write every day. And there was a famous author and I cannot remember who said this. I have it somewhere in my notes, but he was asked once after a speaking engagement, um, if he waits until he's inspired to write. And he said, oh yes, I wait until I'm inspired to write for sure. But I make sure I'm inspired every day at nine o'clock. <laughs> so it just it, it's a very good example of as a writer, you you have to sit down and you have to write. And so it's a job. It's a wonderful job, but it is a job. <laughs> it's a job. You have obligations. And yes. Well, not only do I have contractual deadlines, but I have there are readers who are waiting for my books and who expect me to be writing books and I, I hate to disappoint them. So I write. <laughs> and um, would you like to leave a message for our listeners today, Irene? Well, I think that the message I would like to leave is, and, and it, this comes through in a lot of my books, is to, is to always look with hope to the future and don't let the past dictate what your future holds, be open to the possibilities and always be willing to embrace something new. I think, 
I think that's a great message for people to take forward as they live their life. Thank you. And discussing themes related to families, not only engaging, but also essential. Yes, there, there's, it's, it's amazing what a, what a difference a good family can make in a person's life. And this is especially true as you're a young person growing up. And I, I, re I, I have always recognized that. And I am so grateful for the wonderful growing up years that my parents gave me and the continued support they gave me into adulthood. And they're both gone now, but I will, they're always in my heart. They'll always be in my heart. I'll never forget that. And it influences me every single day of my life. And you just cannot underestimate the importance of that kind of, of just total love and support and encouragement that parents can give their children. Yes. I'm sorry for your loss. It's, it was really hard. I lost my dad in 2021 and my mom um, a few years before that, and both were very sudden. So there was no time to prepare. And they were such an important part of my life. After my mother passed away, my dad lived with, literally within walking distance of our house. And he, he came every single night for dinner and went with us everywhere we went. And, 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 you know, we tried, tried to fill in the gap for him left by my mom, which was impossible. She was impossible to replace, but he was a, a daily part of our life. So that was, that was extremely hard to say goodbye to him, but they, they live on in my heart for always. And uh, Irene, how can our listeners find you and your books? If people would like to just see a book list, a, a list of my complete books, or read a biography, or see some reviews, the best place is my website, and that's irenehannon.com. And if you wanted to um, see me on social media, you can also sign up for my newsletter there. And then if you wanted to get in touch with me on social media, I, I am on, I hardly post on Twitter anymore. I am on Instagram, but my favorite place to hang out is Facebook. I love Facebook. It's much more open to conversations than the other social media. And I love to talk to readers. So I'm on Facebook every day. I try to respond to every single reader that posts. And we have, we have some great conversations there. So I would say definitely check me out on Facebook. Um, Irene, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to speak with you. Also, I would like to tell you and our listeners that you will be featured in our next issue of the Relatable Voice magazine. And I wish you can come back. I would love to visit again. If you want to make another trip to the heartland of the United States, <laughs> I will be here. <laughs> just let me know. I love traveling just like you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on today. I've enjoyed it very much. Of course. And dear listeners, be sure to check out Irene's website. And thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.